This is the EPLOG audio experience. You don't only build a brand. Often, what you're building is reputation. What is reputation management and why is it necessary? What is organizational brand building and how do you make it work as an entrepreneur starting out? Hello and welcome to Voice of Achievers with me, Yashika. Reputation management, brand building, bridging the skills and performance gaps and decoding the journey of a CEO on our podcast today. Our guest is Siddharth Vazir, host of the CEO's chair, which is a popular talk show and founder of Bearing Strategy, which partners with global organizations and CXOs for reputation management and strategic communication services. Now, Siddharth's efforts have inspired 45,000 plus people and organizations combined. And he also mentors startups and social communities, including the UN Global Compact Network, the School of Digital Media and Marketing, and Symbiosis Skills and Professional University. He's written for the Economic Times in the past. Welcome to the show, Siddharth. Thank you so much, Yashika. Siddharth, I want to begin by breaking and decoding the reputation management aspect. Tell us how is it different from brand management or personal branding and why is it necessary? We can sum it up probably in one sentence that what are people talking about you when you're not in the room? And this could be in a physical environment, this could be in a virtual environment. And in a world that is increasingly becoming more and more busy, more and more chaotic, it is important for people not just to know you for the unique value that you bring to the table, but also in a way of them understanding whether they want to associate with you or not. Now, with the rise of the internet and 24-7 social media, it's become easier, yet at the same time more difficult for you to get your brand or your reputation out there. I was exactly going to come there. I was like, in a world mm-hmm. where digital media is so powerful, mm-hmm. how do you actually build the reputation that you would want to build? And what is the difference between a genuine reputation and, and a virtual persona? Again, the difference between a genuine reputation and a virtual persona is that you need to be able to walk the talk offline as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just a virtual persona that you've created for the sake of embellishing your Uh, you know, your personal name or embellishing your business name, are you actually talking about your accomplishments? Are you talking about your values? Are you talking about the things that you stand for? And do you have proof to be able to substantiate that offline as well? So when you're talking about leadership and you're talking about communication, these aren't just buzzwords for you or these aren't just theoretical for you. These are instances or experiences that you've actually lived through, experienced yourself, and in some way you're trying to propagate that to the larger community. Tell us then, Siddharth, most young people are wanting to build something of their own, uh, start something of their own. What is the difference then between uh, their personal brand and their organizational brand or do they sort of converge? So uh, I'd like to break down that question into two parts. One is, is your organizational brand and your personal brand the same? The answer is no, that it's not. So if you're starting out as a solopreneur, you're starting out as a freelancer, you're starting out as an entrepreneur, Initially, your personal brand will be what attracts people to you, what uh, builds that trust and that credibility in you. And that's why people will want to work with you or essentially give you, your, give you their business. But 
as your business grows and as your reputation also grows, you need to have the ability to also uh, either represent the organization that you're working for or to build a startup foundation or to st build a startup journey that is separate from your own as well. So that it helps you in scaling I'm, up. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you here, sure. but how do you break it? Because essentially when you're starting out, you're the one building the, the organization, right? So how do you break that? Isn't Correct. it a tough one? Absolutely it is. And the people that are able to do that successfully are the ones that are able to scale up their business and are able, the ones that are able to, uh, you know, bring teams of people closer to them and in turn attract more business, in turn attract more clients, and of course, uh, you know, increase the size of the company as well. And I think it's important to do that because I work with a lot of founders, I work with a lot of CEOs, uh, I, I work with some freelancers as well that are doing incredible numbers. Um, and I often advise them that either you can become an independent consultant, which again, there is nothing wrong with, and you're known as a one man or a one woman army, uh, but at the same time, that is extremely limiting to your growth because a lot of larger organizations that they want to collaborate with you will shy away from collaborating with you because they are unsure about whether you're going to be able to deliver the scale and the consistency that they require. So if you're able to communicate your, your, your vision, your values and your deliverables, not just as a solopreneur, but also as part of a larger team or a larger brand name, that in turn builds a lot of trust in your organization. So again, let's consider this scenario that there is this solopreneur sure. or this entrepreneur starting out and wanting to build their organizational brand. Mm. What are the top two things or the top three things that you'd ad advise them to do step by step? And then you're probably transitioning into really building your organizational brand. Um, again, great question. What I would recommend to somebody who is just starting out is probably for the first year, year and a half, don't even worry about building an organizational brand build your own foundational brand first. What do you want to be known for? What are your skill sets? What is the unique value that you're bringing to the table? And at the end of the day, why should people want to work with you? Hmm. What is your credibility? What is your uh, competence and so on? So talk about all of these aspects, talk about the experiences that you've had, talk about why you're passionate about what you do and why you're better than everybody else in the same space. Once you've been able to do that to a certain extent, then you start talking about your organization or your startup and the other people that have joined you in this journey. And a lot of people, I think, get overwhelmed at this stage because they're like, I'm not at that position yet where I can build a team around me or I'm not at that position yet where, uh, you know, I can start to hire people. But people forget that we're living in an age where collaborations and partnerships are also very, very viable. Hmm. And they are helping you grow as well. So using the example of, let's say you're a service provider, and you are a specialist in one area. And you know, I, I'm a perfect example of that as well, because I also partner with other complementary service providers. Right. So if I'm mentoring startup founders and if somebody asks me for the reference of a good corporate lawyer, I have some people that I can call that I've worked with in the past and that I can give a reference to. And that in itself builds my trust with my client and of course builds my trust with my community where I'm getting, where they're getting business referrals from me. And we're also associating or we are working together on some project. And I think the, one of the biggest things that separates a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or somebody who is just starting out from one that is going to make it and one that is not going to make it is, are you doing what you say that you're going to be doing? How dependable are you? Hmm. How consistent are you? In my, in my experience, nine out of 10 people, unfortunately, are just talk. And you can be, if you can be that one out of 10 people, that are actually able to back up what you're saying, 
then you will all automatically see people coming to you for whatever products or services that you're offering and talking of consistency uh your mm-hmm. show the ceo's chair has been there for almost this is the fourth season fourth season correct fourth season and it's been yes. what about 5 6 years more it's been about 3 and a half years okay uh it's been four seasons i just wrapped up my 54th ceo conversation last night before ceo siddharth you've spoken to them you've digged into their journey you've decoded their journey yeah. Uh, it's sort of been like a research project of sorts for you tell us what are the Absolutely. top 3 things that ceos or upcoming ceos should and shouldn't do um so one i'll start with what they shouldn't do yeah um again drawing from my experiences and my conversations with all of these uh, guests on my show one is you cannot afford to be indecisive sooner or later you will need to make a decision and especially in the world that is so fast moving that is changing so rapidly you need to have the ability to take a decision quickly hmm. whether it is for the better or whether it is for the worse you cannot afford to be indecisive but as somebody who's leading not just an organization but themselves as well you need to have the ability to make a decision um the second aspect is that in today's world you can no longer afford to be a bad communicator whether it is offline or online mm-hmm. and that is another area that i'm extremely passionate about and that i work with a lot of uh, you know corporate leaders as well where i tell them that unless you are able to articulate your thoughts in writing and in person you will always struggle to be a good leader right so these are two things that i would advise all future aspiring founders or ceos that these are qualities that they must must work on hmm. um three qualities that i've noticed in all of the guests that have been on the show um, i will start first with self awareness hmm. it is amazing to me how self aware all of these leaders are yeah how uh, they've taken the time to introspect how they've taken the time to analyze themselves and it's not as if they come across as arrogant or they come across as cocky by saying i know everything if anything they are the first ones to admit that this is a subject matter or this is an area that i'm not very familiar with or i'm not comfortable with and you will have to break it down for me like you're explaining it to a 6 year old nice now to have that humility in somebody who's heading who's heading a you know 500 crore company or 1000 crore company is very very reassuring to see the second one i believe is a sense of self belief that they have hmm. again it's not and a lot of people have this perception that oh you know what exactly does a ceo do or what exactly does a founder do mm-hmm. uh, we have that perception that is just somebody who sits in their ivory tower in a corner office and is <laughs> <laughs> and is pretty much on the phone all day or is in meetings all day but nobody knows what is the tangible outcome of their job description hmm. and what i would like to say to them is that the the ceos probably have gone through more failures and more disappointments uh, and more projects that have not worked than the majority of people right and the reason why they've done that is because they've tried more things than most people they don't avoid taking risks they don't avoid trying something new and they don't avoid you know taking a chance on something that has never been done before Mm. So when you talk about self belief their self belief comes from okay even if i don't know something i will figure it out or i know somebody that will help me figure it out so that is my my point number 2 which would be self belief and my point number 3 or my 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 third top skill is even if i turn down the volume on my talk shows especially if it's a you know it's a visual talk show people can tell that that person is a leader Nice. just and you talked about non verbals as well and we talk about 
the terminology of an executive presence right people can tell even without them opening their mouths to speak that this is somebody who is a leader of either a team or an organization this is a lovely one point one. Uh, siddharth <laughs> thank you and it's and it's one of those intangible skills right that you can't really teach you can't really put your finger on it because is it is it eye contact is it body language is it communication style is it positive energy um is it their competence level is it is it their educational level i would probably say it's a combination of all of the above hmm so all of this uh, yeah. sort of brings me to the uh, maybe the aura that one exudes true you start sensing the vibe you start sensing the energy even when you're looking at it is that so absolutely absolutely and i'm a, i'm a huge believer in uh, somebody's energy as well and i'm sure all of us are on some level right all right we talk about whether it is sixth sense or we talk about women's intuition or we talk about positive energy or whatever terminology that you want to use hmm. you know that either you can trust the person or you can't trust the person right. or is the person telling the truth or not telling the truth and more often than not is the person somebody who you can, who you can rely on and for me that is probably one of the most important qualities of all the guests that i have talked to on the show you spoke of self belief and you spoke of consistency um mm-hmm. I, what i liked about your uh, journey and what is that you've been in the hospitality industry the hospitality industry in some sense makes you humble it Correct. makes tell tell me how this transition from the hospitality industry to a you know a reputation management firm aspects okay. of the hospitality industry experience helped you build this organization that you are running now so i don't want to take up too much of uh, your time on this on this answer but uh, to cut a long story short i grew up in a army background um and as an army kid i was always used to being the new kid in class mm-hmm. every 3 years we used to move to a new city and we i used to move to a new school sometimes multiple new schools in the same city as well and before the age of 18 i changed almost six different cities and almost 10 different schools so that being said i think from a very young age it was inculcated in me that you know you can't be shy about going up to people and and striking up a conversation with them that's one two and two is that every person that you meet has something to teach you either what to do or what not to do yeah <laughs> yeah and and that is something that i think i've always enjoyed working with a diverse set of people hmm. so for me getting into hotels was a no brainer because no two moments uh, forget two days are ever alike in the hospitality industry so my last role i was i was managing a hotel which was in new york which had 900 rooms huh. which had about 1100 employees representing 50 different nationalities so on any given day i was actually you know conversing with these people i was meeting these people i was inspiring with them i i, I was collaborating with them and so on and i think that's where i honed my communication skills i honed my people skills and for me coming back to india and doing something of my own was always i would probably say you know like a long long cherished dream um and that's when the transition happened in 2015 wasn't that difficult siddharth shutting shop and shutting a thriving career there and coming Good. back starting from scratch how hard is it what does it take it's incredibly hard and i you know because i ask people this question all the time as well and a lot of people are not very honest with their answers but i would say it's incredibly hard um because i you have to understand that i moved to the us when i was 23 i moved back to india when i was probably 38 or 39 so i spent some of my most formative years outside the country exactly. i spent my some of my most formative years in a completely different culture now to to be able to 
in a way reinvent myself and reacclimatize myself or rehabilitate myself to come back to India. Uh, I think the decision is something that I struggled with for a while. Hmm. But then when I took the decision, there was no going back. But when I did move back, I think it was an inc- incredibly tough process. Uh, so and, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting you yeah. here once again. Sure. You said the decision is very hard and we spoke about decision making. Tell us, Siddharth, I want to take you back here. Tell yeah. us, t- talk to us about that hard decision because it stay- you, I can clearly see that it stayed with you for a while. It did. did. Tell us what was that Absolutely. moment that made you think, bus, band, let's go. <laughs> And you know what, it's it's a twofold answer because it was a decision that I was struggling with, I would probably say at least for a couple of months. Mm. Because on one hand, you have everything that you worked for pretty much the last decade. Mm. You've got stability, you've got a secure income, you've got a great designation, you're working in one of the most exciting cities in the world. Mm. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, uncertainty. Yes. You're going back to a country that you haven't, yes, you visited every year, but you haven't really lived in or worked. And I, like I told you, I struggled with the decision for a couple of months, but then one morning I just woke up and the decision was made that, listen, I need to move back. Yep. So sometimes you do need to take a step back and listen to your subconscious as well, hmm. because your subconscious is telling you the answer. And a lot of times you refuse to listen to that answer as well. But I, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I regret taking that decision. And, and how long did it take for you to say, Ki, chalo, we settled. I think I'm still not satisfied. No, no, and and which is the honest truth, because there are still some aspects of working in India or living in India that I struggle with. Uh, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, and I hate to, everybody talks about uh, the lack of punctuality of Indians. But for me, that is still a big, big struggle. That listen, if for me, if we talk about a 10 a.m. meeting, I'm there at 9.55, whether it is a physical meeting or whether it's a virtual meeting. A lot of people take that extremely casually but for me, that sets the tone for the rest of the relationship or the rest of the conversation that if you can't even be honest with yourself or if you can't even time your, you know, manage your time effectively, then how successful is this conversation or chat or whatever it is that is going to happen going to be. So to answer your question, I still, I still struggle with some aspects. Am I getting better at it? Absolutely. But what I wanted to say, Yashika, is that because I work with a lot of international clients as well. I am of the belief that there is a global business code that exists. Okay. That if people are working with each other and they are at a certain level, regardless of wherever you are in the world, if you adhere to a certain global business code, you will probably be, uh, you will have more chances of being successful than everybody. I see a secret recipe and I sense one here. (laughs) You tell us now that what are these, okay, you give us two global business codes. Um, one is I would, I, I talked about punctuality, right? For me, that is definitely paramount. We take that. We take that. We take that as yeah. number three. You have to we, give us we, two more. <laughs> um, I would also say that you have to do research about the person that you're talking to. A lot of people take it for granted, whether it is a company that you're talking to, whether it is the person themselves that you're talking to, whether it is the culture that they belong to. And if there is some aspect of that culture that you can bring up in conversation, I think it breaks down barriers, uh, you know, immediately. Yes. And you can connect on a personal level with that person. So whether it is wishing somebody Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, even though you don't come from a culture that celebrates that. Yes. Or and and you know, a lot of that is an offshoot of the empathy that you that we talk about as well. Hmm. And in India, I think working with diverse people comes very naturally to us. So on some level, we tend to take that for granted. 
but if you can again do your research of the organization of the person that you're talking to and understand the cultural nuances of that person i would i would probably say that you will be way ahead than most people the second aspect i would say is that are you treating other people or are you behaving in a manner that you would like to be treated most of us as human beings have different standards for ourselves and we have different standards for everybody else again if you don't like being late if you don't like being rude if you don't like rude people if you don't like inconsistent people if you don't like people that don't pay attention to the quality of work that they do then why are you doing that yourself but your work is a reflection of who you are so for somebody who's never met you and you and i have never met in person but both of us realize that there is a certain quality of work that is associated with the other person as well so if you're able to translate that into your relationships as well i think that will that that goes a long way in setting you apart from everybody else because you you also mentor young people siddharth tell us what are the two top two or three skills that will set them apart you've mentioned a few already uh, if there sure. are any more tell us otherwise we'll move on to the next so a couple of them that i that i that we already talked about that i mentioned are consistency uh, and one of the the ways that i filter out the people because i i get a lot of people reaching out to me on social media because i'm uh, from people saying that oh i want to connect or i have a certain question or can you help me in this area um, so one of the ways that i use of filtering out somebody who's really serious and somebody who's not is i ask them to send me an email summary of the conversation so if you want to talk to me you send me and it doesn't have to be very elaborate even if it is just 8 to 10 lines send me an agenda or send me a list of questions or send me a list of discussion points that you want to talk about before we get on to the call and again you know what yashika i would probably say 99 out of 100 people never respond to that email oh really yes really. that's staggering data absolutely and and i and i talk at uh, you know some of the best b schools in the country and you know what majority of people never do so if you are looking for a secret sauce or a secret recipe to stand out from everyone else just be consistent just do what you say you're going to be doing um the second one that i wanted to talk about is everyone was confused growing up right because either we didn't have a mentor we didn't have a coach we didn't have a role model uh, the switch flipped in my head when i realized that listen i need to work on myself and it is much more of an internal process than an external process how much of accountability are you taking for your own life ownership and your own decisions as well ownership absolutely because we are so quick to blame traffic we are so quick to blame weather we are so quick to blame everyone and anyone but we 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 never look internally and the third aspect that i see a lot of youngsters still struggling with despite all of this technology and despite all of this um, you know connected world is your ability to communicate effectively language is no medium yeah i'm not just saying that you need to be a great orator but whatever language that you use are people able to tell what you're thinking do you have an organized way of expressing yourself and if you were to were to ask me and this might be a follow up question what is the number one quality that i believe holds indians back as compared to the rest of the world i would say that it is our inability or our underconfidence in expressing our own thoughts confidently how do we address that so i would say that you know you can start by learning from everyone around you you can never say that oh you know i've learned it all i've gone to a great b school and i don't need anybody else to tell me what to do anymore or i'm working in one of the big four and i have great communication skills but even then you don't have humility you don't have a mindset which is always like a sponge picking up from the environment around you so i tell people i said one learn from the environment around you 
try and expose yourself to as many diverse people as possible diverse cultures diverse ages diverse languages uh, diverse industries to try and work with a mentor or a coach this is a nice aspect you bring up uh, siddharth tell us yeah. one way uh, in which a young person or an or a young individual can approach and really find the right mentor one thing that i want to clarify is that it doesn't have to be one person where you learn everything from a lot of people make that mistake i would probably say that listen find one person who you aspire to become like whether it is professionally or personally hmm. whose advice that you trust and preferably somebody in the same industry so if you're looking at opening up a business somebody who's been a business person yeah to whatever that person is saying is not the be all and end all yeah yeah, yeah i was just going to say research. so absolutely you need to do your own research you need to figure out that in that one hour of conversation there may be only 5 minutes of relevant conversation that applies to you bilkul i think my foundation hospitality was so important to me middle east and royal families coming and stay, staying with us we had uh, musicians and rock stars coming and staying with us we had sports and athletes coming and staying with us but every person and of course we had our own you know community of people that were working i was able to say to myself ki nahi nahi aisa mujhe iske tarah banna hai पर उसकी तरह तो डेफिनेटली नहीं बनना है एब्सोल्युटली नाइस व्हाट आर द टॉप 2 करियर ऑपर्चुनिटीज फॉर यंग पीपल टॉप 2 करियर ऑपर्चुनिटीज बेस्ड ऑन व्हाटएवर यू हैव एक्सपीरियंस सो फार सो आई थिंक ऑब्वियसली राइट नाउ टेक्नोलॉजी इज 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 राइट एट द फोरफ्रंट सो एनीथिंग दैट यू कैन डू यूजिंग द फ्यूचर ऑफ टेक्नोलॉजी एंड आई आई डोंट हैव अ वेरी वेरी गुड अंडरस्टैंडिंग ऑफ व्हाटएवर द रिलेवेंट टेक्नोलॉजीज आर i would say technology and of course i'm very partial to communication so whatever part of communication that you can get into and i see that increasing more and more in importance because you mean the need technology people the need for communication yes because sadly i've seen a lot of technology people that aren't very good with communication and vice versa so yes, if you are somebody that can able to do both then you become like almost like a a personal unicorn where everybody's heard about that person but you've never met that person right but it's but but that's actually what you're looking for because you're looking for somebody that is apart from the the rest of the crowd and the rest of the competition nice what does achievement mean to you wow <laughs> that's a tough one so achievement by itself is you know the act of overcoming some adversity right you're accomplishing something you're you know there's some amount of effort or there's some amount of courage or there's some amount of skill that is involved right and i think as again as human beings we tend to think too long term versus short term mm. so for me even achievement is a series of wins so for me a great client pitch is an achievement for me to be able to have a, a you know a, a vendor or a partner to believe in me or want to work with me is an achievement as well because that obviously tells me that i'm doing something right and i think we don't give enough credit to ourselves when we talk about our achievements because we always think of achievements ki I will not be happy until I get my next promotion. I will not be happy until I get a raise. Tangible. I will not be happy. Yeah, tangible. Yeah. I will not be happy until I've raised my next round of funding. Yeah. And these are all great achievements. But even your, you know, your next hire is an achievement because you managed to convince a person to join you, and of course the money is good. But the person also believes in your vision or believes in your plan for the company, and that's why they've put their faith in you. क्या बात है? So yeah, for me, for me, achievement is a series of wins, um, and that we need to take. time to acknowledge to ourselves as well super so thank you for your thoughts and uh, thank you for being so honest with us uh, and sharing yeah, your experiences with us couldn't be happier thanks for being on the show siddharth thank you so much ash it was a pleasure being here 
Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, Jio Seven, Gana, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers dot com or find us on voiceofachievers dot com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on Epilog Media.